0: Last week I spoke to you on the need for discernment, the need to understand how to know when a word is from the Lord. I also want us to understand that we are involved, as I told you last week, in a tremendous conflict in the world today between the powers of deception, the liars, the the thieves, those who would corrupt the truth. And we who are called to defend the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ must be always on our guard, ever present, to challenge every single voice that raises itself in opposition to the truth concerning Jesus Christ. There is no doubt in my mind that the world and all of its agents and all of the agents of the enemy are concentrated and in agreement on this one point. They must destroy the testimony of Jesus Christ. If the world is to have its way, they must destroy the testimony of Jesus Christ. Everywhere the gospel of Jesus Christ is declared and defended and proclaimed, it upsets the plans and it upsets the points and purposes of the enemy. He knows that the one thing that he cannot and and is utterly helpless against is the truth concerning Jesus. He's done his best to cloud the issue. He's done His best to to bring doubt into the minds of people so that even today, even among some who claim to follow Christ, there are disputes and dissensions concerning who He really is and what He was really able to accomplish in His life and in His death and in His resurrection but as this passage and many, many others. I, 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 I was studying this week, and my intent today was to speak to you on the four truth statements of the Gospel of John. Four times Jesus spoke concerning the truth, and you'll know these statements. The first is in John chapter 20, uh, chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, where he tells the woman at the well, you worship what you know not, but we worship what we know but God is seeking such to worship Him, those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. All of the worship that gets offered in this world today, and you could find online, you can find houses of praise, houses of worship, you can find testimony after testimony of places that sing the praises. But how many of that how much of that worship is rooted and grounded in truth? There's plenty of noise. There's plenty of effects. There's plenty of of very impressive displays of magnificent worship. And yet Jesus says if it does not come out of the Spirit and the truth, it is wasted worship. It is pointless. And I will tell you this, it's even worse than that. It's deceiving worship. Much of what passes for worship today, even in some of the churches, is a deceptive form of worship because it is not rooted and grounded in truth. It's the worship of worship. It's the praise of praise. Its effect is not to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, but to glorify the one who is worshiping because it comes not from the foundation of, a stable and secure foundation of the knowledge of the truth. The enemy does everything in his power and the world joins him in this endeavor to discredit the worship of God's people by diverting it away from the truth concerning Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. The enemy is doing everything within his power and the world is joining him in this endeavor to divert the worship of Jesus Christ away from the truth. For he understands this, wherever the name of Jesus is magnified, and wherever the story of Jesus is glorified, and wherever the power of Jesus is on display, he's in trouble. The enemy is in trouble. He must keep Jesus from being worshipped, Pastor. He must keep Him from being worshipped. That is at number one on his agenda. If he does not want any more glory to be associated with the name, for where there is glory, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. What keeps the houses empty, what keeps the pews empty, is this diversion of worship. For today we worship the gods of convenience and prosperity and power. And only include Jesus so far as He is able to provide such convenience and prosperity and power. Amen. We worship to gain favor. We worship to influence. We worship to build ourselves up. Not caring that it is at the cost of the glory of Jesus Christ. And the enemy smiles and claps right alongside of us. Because He knows there's no power in it. He knows there's no authority in it. But where worship is done in spirit, and where worship is done in truth, there is great power. There is great authority. But when He is magnified and He is glorified, all, and I say it again, all in heaven and all in earth must bow to His glory and to His authority. The second of those statements, those true statements, is found in John chapter 8. Verse 32, You know it very well. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. Why is the enemy so against the truth of Jesus Christ? Because he knows that when one comes to the knowledge, the true and saving knowledge of Jesus, the power of the enemy and the power of sin over the life of that person is irrevocably broken. How do you keep people under the thumb of sin? How do you keep people in bondage? How do you keep people under the power of the enemy? Keep them believing a lie. Oh, this is a, this is a, a, a tactic out of, out of the politics and the, a, and, and the power of despots and kings. How do they come to such authority? They keep people believing a lie. If people really knew the truth behind the power, they would reject it. Amen. So they must believe the lie and people are very, and the enemy is very concerned that where Jesus Christ is glorified and magnified, where his gospel is declared, people will come to the knowledge that they do not have to be in bondage to these powers of sin and death and the grave. And once they come to that knowledge, let me tell you something. Once somebody tastes their freedom in Christ, they don't ever desire to want to go back. Amen. Once you come to the knowledge of the truth, the truth sets you free. Once you come to the knowledge of salvation through Christ Jesus, you are set free from the burden of having to, 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 to do enough good work to please the Father. What is the strength of sin? The strength of sin is the law. As long as one can continue to keep you in belief that you are under some judgment or under some wrath or under some sentence of punishment or of death, you will do anything you can to follow whatever prescription they give you. Come on, if a doctor comes to you and says you have this disease and if you want to be cured, you must take these pills, what are you going to do? Amen. You're going to do whatever the doctor tells you, right? If the doctor is wrong or if the doctor has some investment in that pill company, you may never know. Come on. I'm not against doctors. I've been to one. I go for my yearly checkup. They, they take the blood. They, they, they poke. They point. Yes. Yeah. I got a nice little doctor. A little, little she, she, She's a sweetheart. I like her. But she, wants, she starts talking about, we're going to put you on this, we're going to put you on that. And I say, hold up. I serve the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If it ever comes down to it and the doctor says, this is what you got to do, I'll do it. But I'm here today to tell you this, church. The enemy knows his power is rooted in his ability to convince you there's no escape except by his methods. And when the truth comes in, he loses that power. When, If we were told the truth concerning our salvation in Christ, we would have no need. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. I was thinking about this the other the other day, uh, one of these uh, fellows was on the, you know, the the program and he was talking about how he had this certain piece of information and knew this certain thing and he was the only one who knew it and you had to come to him and you had to see him or you would never know it and you had to, and I tell you, people love to take Power by claiming to have some kind of special knowledge or special privilege or, or, or special information that nobody else got. One of the things I love about Jesus is He said, I did nothing in secret. I did nothing in the darkness. I did nothing in hiding it in a corner. Everything I did was in the light. Everything you need to know is free for yours for the asking, free for yours for the reading, free to you for the hearing. There's no charge to enter these doors. There's no charge to pick up this word. There's no charge to open your heart and mind and say, Lord Jesus. And the enemy hates that. The enemy knows that if he loses that power to keep us in the bondage to our sin, he loses his power to control our lives. This when we're reading here in John chapter 14, is the third of the truth statements, and I'm going to spend most of my time here today, because this is the one that is attacked more than anything else by the enemy. This idea of no one comes to the Father except by knowledge of Jesus Christ. He hates this statement with a passion, and the world hates this statement with this statement with a passion. Nothing will cause a greater conflict in your family. Nothing will cause more problems for you at work. Nothing will cause for you to have any more difficulties with your neighbors and your friends than this one simple statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father except by me. Take this one verse out of the Bible, and immediately 80% of your conflicts go away. As long as Jesus is but one of several ways or one of many ways or one of a universe full of ways, He is no threat. But once Jesus becomes the unique and exclusive way to God, He is of the greatest threat to all the pretenders and all the fakes and all those false prophets and false Christs and false teachers that claim to know the way. There's no greater way to rob this world of its power and to rob the enemy of its power than to realize there's nothing they have to offer that can get you one step, one inch, one iota closer to God. When you take all of that away, what is left? If what the world offers us does not help us come to the knowledge of the Father, then what profit is there in it? Indeed, it's not simply that it does not help us come to the knowledge of the Father, but it acts actively as a deception, as a way of distancing us from the Father. If we understood this very thing, this thing I know, what works for the world, works against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. What brings us closer to God, by definition, separates us from the world. What brings us closer to the knowledge of the truth, by definition, separates us from the lies and the deceptions of the enemy. This statement that Christ makes, it's not only controversial, it's revolutionary. It's revolutionary because it does not depend on bloodline. It does not depend on culture. It does not depend on race. It does not depend on political affiliation. It does not depend on economic status. It is irrespective of educational level. It doesn't matter. It doesn't care if you were born in China or Africa or the heart of New York City. It makes no distinction between those who are from Jamaica or Trinidad or the United States. It does not say if you have such and such a degree or such and such a a level of knowledge. It does not say that if you have enough in your pockets or enough in your checkbook. It eliminates all of those qualifications. It says there is one way, one truth, and one life. It At the same time, it incredibly simplifies and yet incredibly complicates the path of righteousness. It simplifies it this way. It reduces everything we need to know about God to the person of Jesus Christ. You don't have to have a degree in theology. You don't have to go to Bible school. Those are good things. If you have the opportunity to do so, you should do so. But you don't have to have them. For the scholar... And the theologian is no closer to God than the man digging the ditch on the side of the street who has Jesus Christ in his heart. You understand what a threat, what an existential threat that is to the power brokers of this world to say that a poor widow woman or a poor if and child can come as close to God as the mightiest prince or the greatest prime minister or president. This upsets the apple cart of this world. They can't have it like that. If there is no privilege in being rich, if there is no privilege in being powerful, if there is no privilege in being educated, if there is no privilege in being born of the right family or of the right nationality or of the right ethnicity, what is it all for? We invest all of our hope and all of our, uh, of our ambition in these things, and here comes Jesus and says, There's no profit to any of you. No wonder people get upset. Now, wait a minute, Pastor. Hold on. I know Jesus was a good man. He's a godly man. I, and I know he showed us, he told us a lot of truth. But listen, there have been a lot of good men, a lot of godly men. There have been a lot of prophets. This is how the world thinks. This is how the world rationalizes and reasons their way. You mean to tell me that these poor little folk over here in this part of the world, they're they're lost, they don't have any hope? I'm here to tell you that wherever there is truth, there is Christ Jesus. And wherever there is Christ Jesus, there is truth. And if there's any truth in this world, those who seek it will find that it will lead them to Jesus Christ. All right. Somebody was trying to convince me that, that, that old, tired argument about the person who's raised in some other religion. You mean to tell me that they're just cut off, they just have no hope? I said, no. I said, if there's any truth in their religion at all and they seek that truth, it will lead them to Christ Jesus. Well, let's be honest. Even we Christians, even we of the so-called Christian West, which is... in my opinion, but still. Even those of us raised in the church, even those of us who have the privilege of being brought up in the house of God, very, very few, only a small percentage, care enough about the truth to seek it out. We're no different or better than the Muslim or the Jew or the Buddhist or the Hindu. We accept very quickly and very quietly whatever, whatever compromise, whatever corruption is convenient to ourselves. Oh, we've put a Christian name on it. We paint a little cross on the side of the building. We put a little bumper sticker on our car. But we're not seekers of truth. As a matter of fact, you will find very quickly in some churches The more you seek the truth, the more opposition you find within the church. Amen? Amen. For no greater power bases are threatened by the knowledge of Jesus Christ than those that have been established in the kingdom itself. Come on. Jesus' greatest enemies were those of His own family, of His own household. These are the wounds I received in the house of my friends. This seeking of truth through the person of Jesus Christ is just as much as threat to those who lord over their pulpits. Amen. Eighty percent of the cults in the United States are Christian cults. Come on. We want to point the finger over there at poor Jim Jones. Jim Jones is a Pentecostal preacher. I'm not telling you anything. It's truth. Go look at him up. He's Pentecostal. He was, he was demon-possessed, but he hit it very well. Amen? We want, to point, we want to throw stones over here at David Koresh. We want to throw stones over there at this guy or that guy. And all of them took their corruption right from the world of God. Being in the house of God is no protection if you're not a seeker of truth. You're just as easy to fall for the lie inside the building as you are outside the building. What are you saying, Pastor? I am saying that our faith isn't in the church. Our faith isn't in the denomination. Our faith isn't in the guy in the pulpit. Our faith must be in Jesus Christ. And anything that is not corresponding to Him and His character must be rejected. I am the way, not my religion is the way. I am the way, not some set of teachings that I'm going to lay down. I am the way, not some building that's going to be built with my name on the front. He said, I am the way. And if you don't come through me, he said, well, pastor, doesn't the church help us come to Christ? It can. It's supposed to. That's what it's there for. That's the whole point of it. It's to be brought into the knowledge of Christ through the fellowship of Christ's people. But how often do we fail? How often do we lift up another in Christ's place? I am the way, Jesus said. I'm not a way. I'm not one of the ways. I am the way. I am the truth. We we will find no greater resistance to any other statement than this one. Jesus claims to be that all truth is in Him. We beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. I know some people, and I say this, with fear in my heart. I do. I say this trembling. I say this humbly. I say this with, with with utter dependence on the Holy Spirit to help me say it right. There are people who have held this Word up to such a standard that the Word itself has become an idol greater than Jesus Christ. Amen? Oh, you don't, you, you, you're talking about the Bible? Are you talking about the Bible? I'm talking about people who rest the Scriptures and twist the Scriptures and pervert the Scriptures and use the Scriptures as a justification and an excuse not to glorify Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the truth. My word is truth. The last of the statements that Jesus makes concerning the truth, John 17. He says, Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. The truth concerning Jesus Christ is what sanctifies. That word means to separate. It is what separates God's people from everyone else in the world. You can look like, sound like, talk like, act like, and be like many, many people you choose once you come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, you are fundamentally different from everybody else. We don't take this difference far enough sometimes. We hold this difference out to be super, a superficial one. We reduce it to the way you're going to dress or the or are going to clean up your language a little bit or maybe not go to some of the, 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 the places you used to go. And that's fine. If you're dressing inappropriately, you should start dressing appropriately. If you're, if you're using language that's not glorifying God, you need to zip your mouth shut. And find some other things to say. And if you're going places that are damaging your testimony, you've got no business being there. Stay home. Or go somewhere, go someplace more, more wholesome. I'm not against any of that. I, you ought to live right. You ought to do right. You ought to be right. If you're hold the name of Jesus, it ought to mean something. But that's not the sanctification I'm talking about or what Jesus was talking about. He is saying there comes a separation that is so defined and so permanent that there can no longer be any fellowship with the works of darkness. There can no longer be any love of the world or the things in the world. For anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. There comes a sanctification that is so clear, a line that becomes so engraved in stone. And it's not just a one-way trip. It's It's on both sides. From the moment you come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the world will see you differently and treat you differently. You become immediately a stranger and an alien, even in your own household. Amen. Some of you can testify to that. Some of you can testify to having friends who you thought were closer than family. But when you turn to Christ, a division so sharp and so real came so quickly and suddenly, you had to know it had to be of God. Some people are not prepared for that separation. And so they resist the truth. Let's talk about that honestly for a moment. Most people compromise the truth not because they don't want the truth, but because of the price that has to be paid to walk in it. How radical is the truth? It is so radical that if we were to walk fully and completely in the truth of God today, we'd be dragged out of our homes and stoned in the streets. If we were now, you say, well, Pastor, you're being, you're being very, very con- confrontational this morning. I'm just trying to tell you, I want you to, be, I want you to prepare your hearts and minds for what it's going to take to walk in the truth in 2022. You could pick the topic. Gender, sexuality, morals, politics, vaccines, social endeavors, social media. Pick, throw, throw a dart. And whatever you hit, if we were to truly walk in the truth of Jesus Christ, we'd be pariahs like that. We'd pay the price that Jesus paid and his apostles paid. When you stand up to, a, to the entire weight, with the entire weight of the world bearing down on you, telling you, fall in line, fall in place, compromise, be like everything else, what does it take to say, no, I stand apart? I stand apart because I stand on the Word of the living God. You're a bigot. You're prejudiced. You hate. No, I love. And because I love, I'm willing to put up with whatever comes my way. To hold open a door that says this way to salvation, this way to Jesus Christ, this way to eternal life. Whosoever will. Who will stand at the narrow gate and keep it propped open long enough for your sons and your daughters to make it through? Who will stand at the narrow gate and keep their foot in that door long enough for your friends and your families to escape the destruction that is coming upon the Sodom and the Gomorrah of this world? Who will stand at the door and keep knocking, saying, open up, open up. It's not too late. It will not be the world. The world says, join us on the wide path. The world says, go along with what we tell you is good and what is evil. Go along with what we tell you is right and what is wrong. But we, if we were to truly stand on the power of the testimony of Jesus Christ, we would be forced, To stand apart. Not out of some sense of moral superiority. That's how some stand apart. The Pharisee approach. I thank you God that I am not like these sinners. That's not a truth. The truth is you're just like these sinners. The difference between you and them is God has shown mercy on you. And if you've been one for whom God has shown mercy, how can you point a finger at anybody else and say, no mercy for you? If we were to stand on the testimony of what God says is real and true, we will spiritually and perhaps at some point physically be crucified with Christ. Because the world won't have it. There's one overriding pressure in this world. There is one overriding pressure in all of the politics, in all of the economics, and all of the social structures of this world. One overriding pressure. One thing overall. Do not stand apart. Do not stand apart. Do not separate yourself from the crowd. For those who separate themselves from the crowd, those who claim to be different, those who say we're not like that, by the character of their lies and the testimony of their lips, bring condemnation and judgment on the other. When we choose believers to stand apart in Christ, to be separate, To not go the way of the world. To not do the things of the world. To reject the standards. To reject the principles. To reject the wisdom of this world. To go in a way that the world views as utterly and completely incoherent and incompatible with their ways. A price will have to be paid. A price will have to be paid. And that's why it's so important that we know in our heart that He is the truth. For the only thing that will give us the strength and the conviction to stand apart is the sure knowledge that what we stand on will last. Now look at some of these churches today. My heart breaks. The, uh, in the news last week, another fairly large denomination in the United States is splitting. This is maybe the fourth or fifth one in the last ten years or so. And they're splitting over the same issues. You know the issues. What do we do with people with certain lifestyles? Do we ordain certain things? Oh, the enemy has stirred up such a cloud of dust. Such a cloud of dust. And those churches that want to stay true to the biblical model, that want to stay true to the faith, once delivered to the saints are being forced to choose whether they can even continue in fellowship with the rest of their denomination. I thank God the church of God is not there, or at least not there yet. I don't know what the future holds, but my goodness, imagine having to make that choice between your conscience before God and all of your peers and brothers and sisters and fellow ministers, and fellow churches that you've been in fellowship with for hundreds of years. It's a heartbreaking choice. And those who are making the choice to stand on the Word of God are being called all sorts of names. Mocked and made fun of. Anachronisms. Throwbacks. Holy rollers. And worse. Unenlightened. Uninformed. Ignorant. And worse, prejudiced and hateful, and bigoted, and worse. And yet they stand on the truth. If this word is anything, if it is truly God's word, it cannot change. It says what it says, and what it says is not compatible with the current trends of this world. Do we have the courage? Where does one get the courage to pay such a price? From the certainty of the knowledge that one has come to us who He is truth itself. And that to betray Him on any level, to depart from Him on any level, to ignore any aspect of His truth on any level is to forever be lost in a sea of lies and deception from which there is no escape the courage it's going to take to live this year and walk this year in the truth cannot come from your heart. It must come from the heart of Christ Himself. And between these two statements in John 14 and John 17, He tells us the secret, the key, the gift that will help us walk in the truth. He says the Spirit of truth will come and will lead you and will guide you into these truths. If I had to sit here and figure out what was real and not real, what was true and not true, using all the powers of my human reason and human logic, using all the wisdom of the sages of the ages, I'd just give up and go home. It would would be an impossible task. There would be no point to it. For my mind cannot perceive the things of God. It simply can. not What did Paul say? The natural mind does not what? Know or receive the things of the Spirit. All my human logic. I could study geology and geography. I could study history. I could study math. I could study physics. I could study everything and apply it all to this Word of God and it would get me not one step closer to truth. Don't believe me, listen to all the insane and inane arguments about creation versus evolution, and time versus space, and all these things. Ph.D. after Ph.D. weighed in. Studies of this and studies of that weighed in. Scientists after scientists offering their opinion, and how many of them come even close to in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Much Less close to in the beginning was the Word. All of the telescopes and all of the microscopes cannot show us what's true. They can show us what's there, but they can't show us what's true. But He, when He comes, somebody thank God for the Holy Spirit. When He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will not let you be deceived. He will not let you be distracted. He will not let you be overwhelmed. He will lead you. If we're going to walk in the truth in 2022 and beyond, we're going to have to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we are being faced daily with such an avalanche of lies as to make it impossible for our own discernment to guide us. Would you stand with me this morning? You make a statement today by your presence here that you are convinced that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. That statement is going to be tested every day by everyone you meet who's not a follower of Jesus Christ. You're going to have to depend daily on the Holy Spirit to help you. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come to you, God, because you are truth. We come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ, because he is the way, the truth, and the life. We are faced with a world of darkness, a world of deception, a world of lies. We are faced with a world that overwhelms us, bombards us with all manner of information from all kinds of sources, but none of it rooted or grounded in truth. Every day our senses are overwhelmed. Our minds are overwhelmed by this onslaught of false information. Oh God, we need your help. Even the best of us, even the most committed of us will soon be swept away by the tide if we are not anchored in the person of Jesus Christ. If the Spirit of Christ is not leading us and guiding us into truth, I pray, oh God, For fresh anointing. For a fresh anointing of truth. To touch every heart and mind in this place. Sweep away. Blow away, O holy wind. Ruach. The holy wind of God. The breath of heaven. Blow away all of the lies and the deceptions. Expose every untruth every falsehood in and among your people today. Let our lives be lives that are true. Let our faith be true. Let us be bound not by the lies and deceptions of this world, but by the love of the truth that is in Christ Jesus. And that, that love of truth, that seeking of truth, that desire for truth override and overflow through us, O oh God, by the power of Your Spirit. Father, we pray for those that are in darkness. We pray for those that are deceived, our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers. Oh God, the veil of deception that has covered their eyes. The God of this world has blinded their minds that they might not see the light of truth. But you said those who walk in darkness will see a great light. We pray for that light today to shine into the darkest hearts today. Those who are caught by the lies and deceptions of this world, of this generation, of this hour. We pray for their deliverance by the hand of God. Let your truth set them free. Let your truth set them free, O God. Help us be a people of the truth. Walkers in the truth. Lovers of the truth. Let the truth of Jesus Christ be our only standard. Our only standard. This This has been a production of the Lighthouse Church of God. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. You are welcome to join us for service every Sunday at 10:30 a.m. For more information or to support our ministry, visit our website at www.lhcogfl.org. Or if you're in the Broward County area, we would love for you to visit our church located at 1890 Southwest 31st Avenue, Fort Lauderdale, Florida 33312. God bless you. Until next time, this is the Lighthouse Church of God, lighting the way through the storms of life.